Howdy. Hi. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Welcome to a very special Hollywood Boulevard. Those who have just been coming from the block know, because we teased it out. Our special guest star, Alyssa Marr, returns. On this time, she is my co-host, because Karen is otherwise engaged. And by that, I believe she is probably sleeping or on her way to bed. She's having a busy week. So Alyssa and I are in the co-driver's seats. Welcome, Alyssa. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you. Glad you could be here again. Um, I actually think we have a lot to talk about on this uh, special sort of culture vulture edition. Um, we have a lot of these conversations in the privacy of our own home, but I think we can share some of our opinions with the world because I do believe the world is listening. Um, we are we are a few days away from the Emmy Awards, though they are giving a bunch of creative Emmys out. I think around the clock every day this week, the primetime Emmys, the big ones, uh, are being bestowed in a, some sort of virtual live ceremony this coming Sunday. Um, and I was thinking we could talk a bit more about our thoughts now that we've seen almost all of the nominees, as well as some of the non-nominees, the snubs, if you will. Um, what say you? Uh, do you want to go category by category who we think no because then everyone would be here all night long but i was (laughs) thinking um what are to you the big stories of not necessarily the tv season which is just oversaturated with stuff both good and non-good um but what are the three big stories of the emmys race among any and all of the categories for you slash what are the things you're most excited or bummed about well i think the three big i think the, the what i'm expecting to be the three big winners on sunday are schitt's creek succession and watchmen um two out of three of those i really love schitt's creek and, and succession so i'm very happy about that watchmen i can't wait people love it it didn't work for me um But I also, like, we just started watching Little Fires Everywhere this week, so I don't really have an opinion on that yet. But I didn't love Mrs. America. I didn't love the other stuff nominated. So it's like, okay, fine, Watchmen. Um, so those, I think, are going to be the big stories um, on Sunday. I really don't see anything else spoiling things for them. You don't think there's a big chance of a uh, marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Prevailing in several I mean, of the acting and comedy series categories. I expect Shit Creek to win. I'm not like best comedy writing, probably directing, because they just sort of go with the flow with those things. I'm not so convinced about the acting winners in that ca- in, from that show that a lot of the pundits seem to be. Um, I always think that the Mrs. Maisel cast is just gonna run away with these awards. I really think Alex Borstein and Tony Shalhoub will probably repeat their wins from last year. Um, I'm not convinced that Eugene Levy is really the lead in that show. No, um, in fact, I was, I was going to say, for all the love festooned on Schitt's Creek, now we, we said a few months back, fairly early into the pandemic, we binged all six seasons over the course of a long weekend. Um, and by the time we got to the end of season two, if not maybe the beginning of season three, I said, you know, 
Dan Levy is the true lead of this show, far yeah. and away. Um, yeah. Even Catherine O'Hara is truly a supporting role. Yeah. Um, I don't really care because they're, usually there are beloved Hollywood fixtures that I don't really like. Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are two beloved, still under-awarded Hollywood fixtures mm-hmm. that I love. Right. So I would probably vote for both of them, too, if I could. I, I would probably vote for Catherine O'Hara. Although I think, like, I think the women in Dead to Me do really good work. Um, I don't like Mrs. Maisel, so, and I don't like Rachel Brosnahan in the role, so I would not give it to her. Eugene Levy, I personally would give it to Rami Youssef, and I would actually give Rami best comedy that it's not even nominated. Um, I think that's just a stronger show, even though it's not as funny as Schitt's Creek. Um, but I just think it's more ambitious, and it's doing more, and the writing is stronger. Um, so, but if Eugene Levy wins that category, that'd be great. Like you said, he's not as like, he should be more re- awarded than he has been in his career. I'm also like I uh, going back to my Tony Shalhoub thing. I don't think I think they're going to give uh, Dan Levy the writing Emmy, and I think you know if the show wins, he'll win it as a producer. And I think that's how they'll reward him. So I can see him losing in that category too. If I'm wrong and he wins, that'd be great because right. I think he's terrific. Um, but the comedies for me, like, aren't really as exciting as the drama categories. Well, a lot of the comedies I think that have sneaked in, for lack of a better word. Um, I mean, I think if we had a packed season that also had, say, a Veep and a Fleabag or other heavier hitters, we wouldn't see things like, say, Insecure coming into the fray. Um but quite or honestly, your enthusiasm. Or enthusiasm rising back in there, f- for sure. Um, I agree with you about the women, both actresses, um, Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini in Dead to Me. Ultimately, I think Dead to Me is a drama, but yeah. it's a half hour show. So, um, you know, it's just easier to campaign for that in the comedy category. Um, I did want to say... I was pleasantly surprised after the nominations came out. You and I revisited, well, not revisited. We checked back in with what we do in the shadows after dropping it after season one, only to find that season two was much improved. So I was actually very glad that got nominated, especially for such a non-traditional kind of uh, entry for that category. And again, I think I said it before, but Work in Progress was one of my favorite shows of the year. So yeah. I would have nominated that for, for series and also for actress. In yeah, a, I would have too. And like, like, and then, like I said, Rami, I would have nominated for Rami, uh, Rami for comedy series, especially, and some more acting nominations, especially Hi, I'm a boss for, um, for supporting, supporting actress. actress. Um, I, I definitely think it was a better, show than Insecure and not yeah, Insecure and The Good Place and Curb Your Enthusiasm, which are all shows I've liked in the past, but just not their strongest season. And Mrs. Maisel too, but that's just because I really dislike that show. Yeah, I I cannot vouch for Mrs. Maisel at all. I think as someone who was a big fan of the creators through Gilmore Girls, I really find nothing superlative about that show except for 
you know, the work that Shalhoub and Alex Borstein do is very good, but they've got their Emmys. I, I'd rather honor New Blood. And by New Blood, I don't even mean Young Blood, because I think in the supporting actor in a comedy series category, uh, Alan Arkin is doing as good work as anyone. Yeah. But I know there's a snobbery against Kaminsky method. Yeah, um, I think we're the only ones who watch that show. <laughs> and certainly- probably. It's a good show. It's funny. It's a surprisingly good show. It's easy to watch. You know, we always come at shows like, we'll watch it, but we're not going to enjoy it. And then we watch a few and we're like, oh, we like this. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> came at Shit's Creek. Shows. We came at Shit's Creek with knives sharp. We thought we were not going to like it, that it was, you know, super snarky and catty. And it was very much not that. I give it credit, not just for being a lovely show, but for being a very warm and cons- like consistently positive show and also i think we've said it to each other dan levy doesn't get enough credit like he's an amazing on-screen crier yeah <laughs> yeah great and i also do want to applaud because it's so easy everyone talks about eugene and Catherine o'hara and then dan levy that annie murphy as the daughter the fourth family member is often left out but she too was nominated for supporting actress and don't sleep on annie murphy because she knows how to make every moment count um, and, and she really made her character be more than just uh, someone who was slighty and spoiled. Um, yeah. So I, I, I hope other people recognize that as well. I'd love to see her win. Um, I don't really have a horse in that race because they're all just sort of okay for me. But um, so I'm rooting for her in that category. Yeah, I would probably vote for her. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there is a anyone else projected as a frontrunner aside from Alex Borstein? I don't know, maybe Darcy Carden in The Good Place? I don't know. Maybe Cicely Strong? Oh, uh, could be. But I always forget SNL. Yeah, I, you know I have a problem. I, I just think it's like you can't really compare what they're doing to what somebody who does one character over the course of 8, 10, 12, 22 episodes. I agree. I mean, they used to have a separate category for individual individual performance in a variety music comedy show, and now they've lumped them in. And I'm like, it's different kinds of work, it's different kinds of commitment, it's different kinds of preparation. These are totally different. Um, But we'll see. I'm fairly confident that Schitt's Creek will emerge the big winner, though I don't expect a full sweep. Um, But I wouldn't, but I wouldn't, I I expect there's going to be I expect there's going to be some sort of split between Schitt's Creek and Mrs. Maisel. So if Mrs. Maisel came away with nothing, I'd be fine too. Also, I think it's really stupid that Sterling K. Brown gets in there for a supporting actor nomination on top of the This Is Us nomination. Um, When you have someone like Michael Zegan, who's doing more important work for the show. Uh, But that's just me. Um, And also like James Marsden and Dead to Me and... That, oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. That would have been a terrific nomination. He it continues to be one of the most undersung actors in Hollywood. His only, you know, consolation is that he's incredibly handsome. So, you know what? Yeah. It all worked. But, I mean, him, I would have nominated, like, Manny Jacinto for The Good Place. I would have nominated, I can't remember his name, but the actor who plays the dad on Rami. Who has a really great episode. Yeah, both of the parents season. from Rami deserve to be nominated. Yeah. 
so that's that's our thoughts about the comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, we really have a vested interest in the drama series category. Yeah. Don't we? Yeah. Alyssa, I don't think you've loved <laughs> maybe not since since Lost. Have yeah. you loved the show as much as Succession? Probably. I mean, I really like Game of Thrones, but it didn't like. Yeah. I really liked it, but it felt like you know everyone's show. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any like other dramas that I've really liked since Lost, but no, I I really love Succession. I think it's terrific. I think it's the writing is like incomparable. The acting's incomparable. Like it it's an A plus across the board. Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. It's a, it's such a terrific ensemble, and it's such it's such a show that doesn't pander, does not yeah. condescend to audiences nor to its characters. And quite frankly, I don't think there's another single show on the air that does that. It's at least, at least if we're talking about the dramas. Um, and I know because it has so many nominations and so many cast members come in with nominations, people seem to think that it's you know, in the lead to win. Um, I, I think it has a good shot of being the victor in the drama series category, though I seem to think that Ozark is the closest well, spoiler. Well, you know, my thing is, um, I sort of feel like, and this is like the, to a lesser extent, this is like the, the thinking that people say got Green Book, that's picture of the year at one. I kind of feel like no one else can really agree on the other shows. Like, people don't love... I never really hear of people who say they love Ozark. Um, I, but I, that's, like, I say that because that's the one show I feel like I hear people talk about rushing to binge and thinking it's a serious, like, show. And I, like, like who we watch loves it, but... Ozark? Like, who loves Ozark? Because we watch it. Laura Linney is one of my favorite actresses. I love Jason Bateman. I love Janet McKeer. But it's like... It's not really good. <laughs> it's like it has no, the elements it's not. of good. It's just like it just can't get to the next level. Like, um, and like I feel like Killing Eve and Handmaid's Tale and Stranger Things are all sort of on their way down. Like the Handmaid's Tale should not even. Neither should Killing Eve. Those Killing two Eve should is a not even. Show. There, I said it. No, yeah, it's absolutely right. Like, Killing Eve and The Handmaid's Tale should not be nominated this year. They're probably nominated for lack of um, competition. Although the the show that we thought would get in there and had potential is the one we still haven't seen, which is The Morning Show, which, oddly enough, a number of acting nods didn't get in for Best Drama Series. It's an odd category, and you're right. I mean, the consensus is, like, there are people who like these other shows like Killing Eve or Mandalorian or Better Call Saul. And then a lot of people who don't and who aren't watching them, that yeah. Succession seems to be the one that cuts across all of them. Like Stranger Things is sort of has lost momentum. I feel like Hammy's Town and Killing Eve and The Crown and Stranger Things have all sort of lost momentum. Um, and then The Mandalorian is a kid's show. Like, it's not... It's not any... It's not best drama... Emmy worthy. It's not. Um, so, yeah, Ozark might be a spoiler, but I think Succession has this in the bag. All right. Well, I don't want to jinx it. I hope you're right. Um, but I also hope that uh, in the actor in a drama series I category. Guess also, like Westworld could have been nominated. 
Sure, and that's a show we stopped watching as of this we season. We stopped so, watching, but, but in early into the season, so we can't say we can't say much there. Um, I mean, there were so many potential nominees, really. Um, right. What I don't want, I mean, I guess there's a couple things I don't want. I don't want Sterling K. Brown to win again. No. I don't um, care, man. And, and I don't want Billy Porter to win for Pose. Mostly because it's not, not even a leading lead. role. He's not a leading role. I mean, also because I don't actually think he's terribly good in it. There, I said it. Um, look, I really want one of the succession men to win, Brian Cox or Jeremy Strong. But truly, this should be Jeremy Strong's award because yeah. he's giving one of the performances of the season in the show, and Brian Cox is also closer to a, a supporting role. Um, also, Brian Cox has. You know, I would have said that in the first season, and then I think they beefed up his role in the second. I'm expecting Brian Cox to win just because he's um, got showier stuff. He yells and he, um, and he know, has gravitas, and, but just yeah, due to the role of the patriarch and his own career legacy, I would say he's terrific um, in the role. Yeah. He's totally Emmy worthy. If he were to win, I'd be very happy. But you're right. Jeremy Strong is doing the best acting on television right now um, and deserves this Emmy. So we'll see. Uh, I would say, and this is me, you know, I always go with like my worst case scenario. Will win, my prediction is Billy Porter. Should win, I say Jeremy Strong. I think, I, I don't see a lot of momentum for Billy Porter. Um, around, uh, you know, Pose has been, I mean, Succession's over a year old now, too, but I feel like Pose sort of, it's been even longer since it's been out. It doesn't get any other nominations. I feel like it's kind of passed, his time is, the parade has passed him by, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be one of the Succession Men or Jason Bateman. Interesting. He's a, double, now, he's a double nominee. He directed. And he won show. for um, directing last year. Yeah. People probably really like him. He won the SAG last, uh, two yeah, seasons ago. Won. Yeah. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I don't think he's great. I think he's, I don't think he's particularly great in um, that show because he's just sort of playing a familiar, familiar character that he's played before. But, um, and the women in it just trans, you know, really just went before them. But if he wins, it'd be nice, I guess. Yeah, that's not one I would uh, leave with a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Uh, Best Actress is an interesting category, though, because you have some real heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, and also Jennifer Aniston. And also I think Zendaya. she's going to win. I think Jennifer Aniston's going to win. I think there's. I haven't, we haven't seen the morning show because we don't have Apple TV, Apple Plus. What's it called, Apple Plus? I think it's um, Apple Plus, I don't know. So I have, we haven't seen one minute of it. But um, I think for some reason people always think that she's owed. We keep, owe, like, we owe her something, even though she's had a really successful career and um, continues to be successful. But it's like we just owe her and... Isn't she great? Um, we need to give this to her. So I think I think she's going to win. It makes sense. Um, I still find it a little hard to believe that 
whoever makes up the Academy at this point takes her that seriously as a dramatic actress. And I say that as someone who likes her more than most and who enjoys her, I think, more than most. Um, like, her performance in Cake was not nearly as un-Oscar-worthy as I think some of the other performances that won over the that course of the decade. That was strange because, like, people were like, oh, we hope she gets in. Oh, this is going to be her Oscar movie. And then when she didn't get in, people were, like, mocking Haters. her. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, well, you know, I don't know. Do you just like to be like, oh, path- oh, poor pathetic Jennifer Aniston. When will she get? When will she get a win? And then like, when she doesn't, it's like, oh, she sucks anyway. So I don't know. I don't really have any opinion on her. I can't. I, I can't a- weigh in. Like you said, I haven't seen the morning show. Um, I think it's very possible she'll win. Also, I haven't seen Euphoria, and I actually think Zendaya has a strong outside chance to win. I think. It it could be Olivia Coleman, you know, everybody loves her now and um I mean she's very good she's in the got crown. The Oscar already. Yeah. yeah, I don't you know, I don't love the crown. I did like the third season a lot more than um the second. Tobias Menzies should have been nominated, Josh O'Connor should have been nominated. The men, um, in other words. Yeah, the men. Um and I thought what's her name? Uh Helen Bottom Carter was great in little she has to do, but like the show doesn't work as well as people think it is. Like, it's not Downton Abbey. It doesn't have the melodrama or the, attra- you know, it doesn't attract me. I loved Downton Abbey. Um, I will defend it to the day I die. But, like, The Crown is not Downton Abbey. It's not juicy. It's not interesting. It feels like a history lesson. Um and I don't think the queen role is that great. It wasn't great for Claire Foy. It's, it's not a great very passive role, which is yeah, the yeah. Um, if she won, that'd be great. Like I don't, I, I would give it to Laura Linney. Uh, I do think she has Who really has good a material. very strong episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, because I, I thought Sandra had nothing to do this season. Killing Eve, Jodie Comer. Personally, that character just annoys me so much, and I think it's beyond shtick now. Um, I thought the third season was terrible. Uh, we haven't seen Euphoria, so but I, I do think it's going to be Jennifer Aniston um, with Olivia Coleman spoiling. I think uh, my preference would be Laura Linney, and if not her, Olivia Coleman. But I think it's going to be Jodie Comer because I think, and she won last year. She has. Of, I don't know if it's a very strong, but it is an Emmy-baiting episode yeah. from this season of Killing Eve. Um, and so I, and just like Billy Porter, really, I think we might see two return champions. And I think well, neither, I think the work of both is subpar, but that's yeah. where we are. Well, that's what I think is going to happen with um, Julia Gardner. I think she's Yeah, I think win she'll again. win again also for Supporting Actress. Um you know, the Big Little Lies women didn't... The Laura Dern um, storyline was my favorite if I had to pick one in that second season. But It was a pretty it, unnecessary second season. Yeah, it's Big like, Little does Lies. Laura Dern need another Emmy? Does Meryl need another Emmy? Like, who cares? And then, like, Helena Bonham Carter was good, but the material wasn't great. You so think Helena Bonham Carter playing Princess Margaret would generate more fireworks than it does, but she only is really given, like, two and a half episodes yeah. out of a ten-episode season. 
I mean, Samira Wiley should not be in this category. I don't remember things she did, and in that was something where they, Fiona Shaw, essentially carried that season. But and she's great, but it's not Emmy worthy. I my pick is Sarah Snook. I think she's great. I think she could have even been considered for leading actress. But and Tandy Newton, we didn't watch Westworld. Um, but I think I think Julie Garner's just gonna win. Yeah, I think Julie Garner's gonna win. She won last year. Um, she has that really juicy episode that she submitted where she gets beat up. Um, I think it's going to be her again. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, I had a question. It escaped me. It was about, I think, Julia Garner. So keep talking. It'll come back to me. She just seems to be like all over the place now. Madonna follows yeah. her on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, apparently she might be playing Madonna. Yeah. And for supporting actor in a drama, I, I think it's... We haven't seen the morning show, but I think it's going to go to Billy Crudup. I love him. He's one of my favorite actors. He's probably my favorite actor after Bradley Cooper. I'd be really happy to the see him with an actor. The BCs have it. BCs. Yeah. So, the, uh, the John Merricks of the world. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you and your elephant men. Well, you know, the only logical thing is for Bradley to play Katarian in The Pillow Man, which I think is really good casting. That would um, be great. I think it's going to be really crude up with Kieran Culkin as a spoiler. I love, I've loved Kieran Culkin all my life. Um, but I, I'm not, and I think he's good in succession, but I don't know what sets him apart from Matthew McFadden or Nicholas Braun, who... I, I would give it to Matthew McFadden. I think he does a great job balancing. That whole category, not just the succession men in that category, I would give it to McFadden. He's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, again, we have not seen the morning show. I don't trust that Mark Duplass is doing anything anywhere. Um, Bradley Whitford's really good in The Handmaid's Tale. I think he's the best part of that season. Jeffrey Wright's always amazing, but we didn't see Westworld. Um, yeah, I would give it to Matthew McFadden. You've been saying that J- you wouldn't be surprised if Bradley Whitford got it. I guess I yeah, wouldn't. I feel like he's always a favorite with Emmy voters, and he already won for the same role in the guest yeah. category for the, pre- for the previous season. Um, I think there's something there with him that connects to the voters episode-wise. I'm not sure what it is. And he's a very talented actor. So I think I, I, yeah. I haven't seen Morning Show again. I, I keep hearing a lot of heat. For Billy Crudup, so he's my official prediction. Yeah. Um, um, I really want it to be Matthew McFadden. Uh, I I do think Bradley Whitford and McFadden are the two I would say most likely to upset in this category of eight. And it would be funny though if McFadden won and Julia Garner won because they're both in that movie The Assistants yeah. together. This. Um, I think it's gonna be Billy Crudup with Kieran Culkin spoiling. People just gravitate towards him in that role and I don't know right. I, I know you've been a lifelong fan of him too I mean I, he's funny in it but I don't think he's got um, like they're, they're planting seeds about Roman like to make Roman more interesting or but I find that he's kind of the least developed character on the show that's going to a succession thing like he just doesn't have the meat that the rest of the cast has. Even, like, I would have even nominated Alan Ruck in this category, who is sort of on the periphery, like, his character is on the periphery of the show, but 
what he does get to do, he's really good. He's really he really nails all his material. Um, yeah, having said that, I would have also put Jay Smith Cameron in the supporting actress category. Yeah. She certainly doesn't do less than Samira Wiley's bullshit in Handmaid's Tale. I have no idea what Samira Wiley did in that show. <laughs> I can't remember. I cannot remember. No. I know I said initially we might not go category by category, but we sort of we sort of did. We sort of ended up talking about that's how we talked about what we wanted to happen. I don't think there's much to dwell on in the miniseries categories. Yeah. Um, though I'm impressed Unorthodox I made it in. Yeah. I would definitely vote for that and for Shira Haas. Um, I, we both liked Unbelievable and I'm glad it got nominated, but I would have nominated Caitlin Deaver in the lead actress category. Um, that's one, you know, not a snub, but one unfortunate omission. Um, and yeah. I just wanted to spend 12 seconds talking about how absolutely terrible Hollywood was and no one should win for it. <laughs> Although some might. It was kind of fun bad. Um, fun bad, but too, not, too it's self not any, Yeah, it's self-congratulatory. It's not Emmy worthy. No one is worthy of an Emmy. I love Holland Taylor. I don't know what she did in the role. The Emmy. If she won, that's great. I love her, but I don't think she's Emmy worthy. I can't remember the thing she did. Um, the whole thing is ridiculous. And like it annoys me because no matter how bad Ryan Murphy's shows are, the awards seem to legitimize them. You know, That's he really fine. it's really lipstick on a pig every time. Absolutely. Um, like, you know, he has really talented actors for the most part in Darren Chris and you know, it looks good, they look glossy you know, he gives marginalized actors roles. He's, you know, he's like important with a capital I. But the writing is terrible. The directing is terrible. A lot of times the acting is terrible. And they, they keep getting Emmy nominations. Other than Feud. Feud was very good. <laughs> um, um, but it had really high class actresses and the, actors and actresses. But still, like, yeah, but I, I would know. say some of the ones that got nominated are not of a higher class. The Holland Taylor is very good, but she has nothing to do. But Jeremy Pope, and I know this might, you know, flirt with controversy. He's terrible, and he's a lead actor. He's terrible. I mean, against real talent. He's also like not a lead. Jackman. No, he's his character is not a lead. lead. No, he's and Jim lead. Parsons is embarrassing and is nominated for this. Um, I guess they saw him as like, oh, this is him breaking, playing against type, yeah, but yeah. like. I mean, I I guess Joe Mantello is. Joe Mantello more... is doing better acting. I'm he I, I, he wasn't nominated. If you could swap him out, that would be fine. But his not but, being in the category is not a tragedy. I like Same Dylan, with Patty Lupone. I, yeah, I like Dylan McDermott, but his character is ridiculous. Yeah. But I don't know who I would have fit. I mean, I I really would have nominated and Tim Blake Nelson. Um, oh, from Watchmen, yeah. Yeah. Of all, there's three actors nominated for supporting actor for Watchmen, and Tim Blake Nelson is none of them, and he's the one I would have awarded out of yeah. that whole group. I, and I can't off the top of my head think of anyone else. I mean, I think the two men in Unorthodox are great, really, really great. Yeah. But but no one no knows. One knows there's there no is campaign. really actors, and there's no campaign, and 
um, you know, nobody knows their names, so they don't get nominated. But, um, yeah, I can't think of any. The whole limited series and movie categories don't really, because I didn't like Watchmen. I didn't really like Mrs. America. I didn't like Hollywood. Um, I like anti-Little Fires Everywhere on principle, because I love the book. Um, so well because because we love the book and there's some fundamental choices just with the casting and the reshaping of the story alone that that treat it differently and skew it in ways that i disapprove of yeah um i will say i don't really think mrs america did anything but but i'm but i do believe tracy ullman is very good in it then I would vote for her in her category. And so is um, Margot Martindale. Yes. Um, it's nice to see Bella Abzug being played by a woman. Yes, after watching Harvey Firestein do it live on stage. Well, yeah. pa- Patty Lapone and uh, Kathy Bates didn't want to do it, so he had no choice. <laughs> there were no other plus size women of a certain age in New York. No, no. Diversity is, uh, you know, body diversity is, you know, if only we had those. Yeah. Performers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I just have one last Emmy note. Note. And yes. she's really deserving. Um, she's really, really deserving. So it's not even like it would be a issue if she won. But I hope Terry Jones wins. <laughs> yeah, Terry Jones is quite, quite naturally and quite simply amazing. This, this year, a nominee for guest actress in Succession. Which, who knows? By the time this podcast uh, hits the the phones um she may have won we don't know when they're being announced this week um so we'll see i think we've covered the emmys our wish list list. um at the risk of being even more controversial should we air our tony awards thoughts on this podcast as well yeah we should i mean if they're even ever gonna happen like i think you know they're gonna uh, out of the dark of night, they're going to drop <laughs> a list of nominees um, and then they'll come up with a date that they will actually have the awards. So for the uninitiated, as all theater stopped this year with the announcement of the pandemic, um, the, the theater season came to an unanticipated close about six and a half weeks prior to the intended end of the season, which means a lot of shows that were going to open didn't. Some may never have that chance to, to come on stage. And while everyone was dealing with other things going on with, you know, their life and their livelihood over the last six months, a lot of voices on social media insisted that we needed to have Tony's. What was the Broadway League going to do? How were they going to recognize the season? It would be unfair to ignore the season. Um, and And so I think we have 18 eligible shows from the first 10 months of the season, which ended up comprising the full season, and about, I don't know, another 15 or so that never got to open. The backloaded shows that would have opened at the very end, that were a lot of them were considered like the big award frontrunners. Um, so there's, there's several ways to think about it, but after being silent for a long time, the Broadway League said that they would recognize a certain number of shows that opened and, and ran for long enough before the March 12th shutdown began. Um, I think it's fair to say that both you and I are, are in agreement that it's ultimately a um, tacky and 
tasteless and kind of deaf response, given that the entire industry is shut down and thousands and thousands of people are without jobs and benefits coverage to to have these awards that recognize a limited season that also had very few truly superlative lights coming through. I'm not saying zero, I'm saying few. Um, it, it feels tacky and, and tone deaf to me. Now, some can argue, yes, but there was good work. It should be honored. And yes, it, it is, uh, you know, a beacon of light um, in an otherwise dark time for the arts. And by arts, those people just mean for Broadway. Um, some say it can provide closure. Um, the bottom line is awards like the Tonys are meant to sell more tickets for shows that are running right past uh, the telecast and that are planning to go on tour. Um, the way I also look at it is these awards tell a story for posterity. Uh, this was the best that theater talent had to offer in a given season. Um, and if you have really short categories of shows that are just getting recognized because they had the luck to open early enough in the season and find a house, these awards have to be given with an asterisk, but you don't have an asterisk. And those, you know, that parenthetical about, well, it was given during the pandemic season falls for posterity. So there are categories that may only have one or two nominees. Maybe none of them are even truly deserving. Mm -hmm. They're not truly superlative. So, you know, I call BS on it. I'd rather have a season where you recognize that this year was a wash. There are much bigger problems to focus on and worry about. But here we are. At some point, they're going to drop a load of nominees. Most of them are going to be ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and yeah. and that, that's how I feel. I mean, first of all, there's really, there's only four eligible musicals, and one of them is Lightning. That means, that means, over, the <laughs> course of 10, that means over the course of 10 months, only four new musicals uh, had a bow on Broadway. And yes, one of them was the Critically Reviled <laughs> Lightning Thief, which couldn't it even sell so a quarter of its audience on a given it was night. So terrible. It was just so terrible. It was so terrible that the woman in front of me had the light on her phone on the entire second act, and I didn't care enough to say anything because I just didn't care. I didn't care about the show. I was like, let your light shine. It's like, and that's the only nominated, that's the only eligible new score from a musical. And I know that The Inheritance and uh, The Rose of Two and a few other plays yeah. had the, had scores. They're not going to give it to a play. So when they have this category, they're going to just give it to the lightning piece because who can remember the score to The Rose Tattoo? I only remember the, the flamingos. I don't remember anything else about that play. So it's like the lightning piece is going to win best, best score. The composer to the lightning piece is going to have a best score, Tony when Leonard Bernstein did not. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, that's... Sunday in the Park where George didn't win best score, but the Lightning Thief is going to. Like, it's insane. Again, these things sit on, they all sit on a shelf yeah. together once you bestow the honor. It's and kind then, of disgraceful. And I know that there are people saying, well, you can't, know, like, gerrymander categories to not honor the Lightning Thief. But this is not a good show. This is not a good it's score. A it's good a fundamentally show. terrible show but, and a fundamentally you know, terrible score and the fact is if something like this is all you had then you shouldn't have awards for a half season exactly and you're gonna have two cat two the 
potential nominees in the best acting, best actor in a musical category. You're gonna have Aaron Tveit in Moulin Rouge, who was okay, um, who was certainly better in Next to Normal and Catch Me If You Can, where he wasn't even nominated, and the lead from The Lightning Thief, Chris Mc McCarroll, McCarroll, who was not good. Um, and not a convincing 16-year-old or however old he was supposed to be. So it's like, well, these, so he's going to have the same amount of Tony nominations as Norm Lewis or, like, Tony Azbeck? Like, what are we doing here? And, you know, we talk about the, what we call the yes-but people who are like, yes, but you have to acknowledge... The contrarians, the people yeah, that, the no people, matter what you, you know, say or how recent it is, have an uh, opposite rejoinder, yeah. Yeah, you. But we have to like acknowledge the hard work and the great work that these people did. And you know, it's you're writing off the Lightning Thief, and it's not a show for you. It's a show for kids. And it's like, okay, but it was on Broadway, and charged, um, and charged Broadway prices. So it's entitled to be ridiculed or criticized like a Broadway show. Um, and then you're gonna have. Everybody from Moulin Rouge and Jagged Little Pill and Tina nominated for, in every other category because we just don't have anybody. Even if yeah, we again, have to- again, let's let's repeat the four original Broadway musicals this season were The Lightning Thief, which is a musical adaptation of the Percy Jackson story. We have the stage adaptation of the Moulin Rouge movie, a stage <laughs> adaptation that's essentially the Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album with a story grafted onto it, and the Tina Turner jukebox musical. That's you know, the state of Look, I, I think Tina's the best Tina a lot. Yeah, I did too. I like Tina a lot, and I think in any year, Adrian Warren... Excuse Bless me. Uh, ...should get a Tony. Um, I like Jagged Little Pill enough, but I had a lot of problems with it. I don't think anybody is particularly Tony-worthy in that show. Um, I liked Moulin Rouge a little more than Jack Little Pill, um, but I don't think anyone is Tony worthy in that. Even Danny Burstein, I'm sorry, it annoys me that this is going to be his win. Um, at when Pres- he presumably, be- yeah. yeah, presumably, and that's another thing. It's like, well, it's going to go to Lauren Patton, and it's going to go to Danny Burstein. Like, you know, the writing's already on the wall with these things because there's just no competition. Maybe give them out like Obies, where we don't have nominees and we just say, okay, outstanding achievement. Yeah, individual. Yeah, solution. Yeah. The plays, you know, I think the plays are a little bit better. I think like there's plenty of award-worthy work, like with the Inheritance and Seawall of Life and Linda Vista and um, Grand Horizons and Laura Linney, <laughs> but you know. Some people have said maybe this is we should reevaluate, you know, what opens when in the future and maybe not, you know, backlog all of our shows in the spring. But who's to say? But what do you do? Outsmart a pandemic? What do you do? I mean, the bottom line is that the reality is it's harder to stay open if you're an open ended show and you open in September, October, November to stay open through June unless you're a huge hit. Um you know, it's always like, but if we could do this, we could do that. It's like, who can say what's going to be successful? I, I just don't think they should be having Tonys because it's stupid. It's stupid, but it's like, it's 
silly. It's silly to like, all of these are going to have an asterisk. Like, you know, we're just going to give them to you because you were fortunate enough to be open in the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do want to point out some of the other shows that were intended to be a part of the season and included in all the awards conversations, uh, the Girl from the North Country, which moved from an off-Broadway birth at the Public Theater, um, and is a musical that includes some of the Bob Dylan catalog, um, and opened but did not run long enough to have been seen by Tony nominators. The new musical Six, about Henry VIII's wives, which is very pop-friendly and very good, but was unable to open because it's opening night would have been hours after the pandemic shutdown occurred. Uh, the West Side Story revival, which opened but did not run long enough. Other revivals included Stephen Sondheim's Company and uh, Carolina Change. Um, other shows that were coming included the musical Flying Over Sunset, which uh, would have featured God Among Men, Tony Yazbek <laughs> as Kelly Grant. Playing God Among Men. Yeah, <laughs> like... No kidding there. <laughs> Um, yeah. There was a Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf revival um, with Laurie Metcalf, among other people. There was um, a revival of the Broadway, the, the Tony winning show, Take Me Out, um, among other things. Like, this could have been a real season. This could have been a competitive season. And those things don't factor in. I, I go back and forth about the idea that, well, it serves some of these shows right for all opening during the last week's of the season. But, you know, some of that is a real estate thing. Oh, yeah. You open one room in the house, and some of it is, if you have top-shelf names like Alora Linney or Laurie Metcalf, they're also working around their TV and movie filming contracts and hiatuses and such. So, um, you know, there's a lot There's a lot to that conversation. But I just come back to my, my thinking is we have around 200,000 people who have lost their lives, and for so many people to waste any time focusing on, you know, like going back in time and making sure someone like Mary Louise Parker in the slave, the sounds inside or slave play gets a Tony because you like those shows. Um, it feels very tonally off to me. Yeah. And you know, I, there's a lot of conversation about what needs to happen when theater comes back and what shows we need and et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, let's just focus on getting it back. Like let's open the shows that already are supposed to, be open. Um, yeah. Let's let's get the people who thought they would have jobs get their jobs back yeah, and exactly. continue to find ways to move forward equitably and and fairly and and with fresh stories. Absolutely, but baby steps. It's a marathon, yeah. not a sprint. Um, we're gonna we're gonna shift course significantly now. I'm pretty <laughs> sure if you've spoken to either me or Alyssa or listened to this podcast before, especially the Hollywood Boulevard podcast. Uh, you're aware that she has indoctrinated me into the wide world of housewives. Um, and so we wanted to give kind of a, a check-in, a status update, if you will, of where where we think uh, the three current franchises on the air stand. Uh, Alyssa, that means Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which just finished its 10th season and is finishing up a a reunion. Uh, Real Housewives of New York also finishing up its 12th season and in the middle of its reunion and Real Housewives of Potomac, which is going strong and undersung. Uh, which one would you like to opine on first? Um, do we want to just talk a little bit about like 
New York. I don't have much to say about New York and other than like I just like Leah um, <laughs> a lot. But other like if we want to talk about like what we hope to see next season. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. For the record, I just like Leah, who was a new and younger addition uh, to the cast. And I think uh, fraud and so camera thirsty. I feel like the Sahara just even watching her. Um, yeah. But, okay, yeah. You go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into like why I dislike her so much. I, but basically I feel like she, she has an agenda and I think people are like, she's young and she's hip and she's, you know, she was street she's, wear, an outspoken she's, person. she's really from New York city. But when you get down to it, she's a, you know, anything, no, but, she's, but a, she's a rich kid. She was a club kid. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, I know a lot of people, a lot of people on Twitter think that, you know, Ramona and Sonia are going to go and we're just going to have Luann and Leah because we've already lost Kinsley. We lost Bethany at the beginning of the season. Dorinda's already announced she's coming back. I don't see Bravo. I don't see Bravo resetting and rebooting the cast this drastically um, like they did before season five. I think that we're probably going to have the, although rumor has it that Leah might not be back because of contract negotiations. I don't believe it. Uh, I think she will be back. Um, I don't know. You know, people want younger. They want more diverse. They, which is fair. I think we might get two. So I think we're going to have the, the four that we have now, Luann, Sonia, Ramona, and Leah, probably two more. And I don't, I don't see Jill Zarin coming back. I think time has passed her. The show has passed her by. Time has passed her by. She would not be a good fit um, for what the show is now. Um, so, yeah, that's all I can see. I can see them just putting in two or three new people. Um, I don't see a drastic reshuffling like everybody wants. Yeah, and I'm always surprised when I keep hearing the voices say that they want to reshuffle, that they they are tired, and it's more directed towards New York than, say, OC or Beverly Hills. Yeah. There's a well, hypocrisy yeah. there. Um, well, you know, they don't like these people that they think act very um, one percenty, um, that are that that are not, you know, liberal enough. I'm like, I don't know what you watch this show for. I want to watch yeah. rich people do things I'll never be able to do and move in circles and travel in style that I'll never be able to experience. Right. I don't want people that somehow lucked into a TV contract but are really just like you and me because there's no way for those two things to coexist. So no, I want to watch I want to watch the crazy exaggerated ridiculous people. I want to see them go to the fancy restaurant and mm-hmm. order like they are an alien who has just landed on planet Earth. Yeah. That's what I want to watch. Well, there's two things at play because people will say, I want someone real money. I want somebody uh, who's glamorous, somebody like Elisa Vanderpump um, or Heather Dubrow. But then they'll say, but I don't want them to be of the 1%, you know, and Politics has never come into play like Not overtly. they have recently. Yeah, it's like it was never really acknowledged 
Um, and people say, well, we can't not acknowledge it as important in the time we're living in. I don't need it on the team. I don't need to know who you're voting for or who you're donating to. It doesn't. It never I don't. Comes I don't know play. why people think the very substance of these franchises needs to change. Let it be either. an escape from the world. The world is shit poo enough. But the like another issue that I think they're having with casting, especially in Beverly Hills and Atlanta now, is that we're getting people who already have some sort of public persona, so they're more guarded and they're more you know, protective of their reputation or they think they've got the show figured out and they're going to, like, not be genuine. Um, you know, we say it all the time. It's like a Hail Mary for D-list actresses of a certain age. <laughs> yeah. But so it's like, I guess they're having a hard time finding people with real money who are just somebody like a Tinsley or or Dorit or I don't even know how much money Dorit has, I don't but think Dorit um, has any money. You know, or Sutton, you know, somebody who has money but doesn't actually have any connection to the biz already. Um, but it should be interesting because like Salt Lake City is coming, and those women, I don't know, but yeah, they, they just released have... a trailer, and so it's all unknown to us who they are, how they act, how they all fit in, how they actually tie to Salt Lake City itself. Uh, this is the first new one to be launched in like five seasons or so, I think. So yeah. Jerry's really out on that one. We'll find out more come November. Um, but, uh, well, I guess we could move into Beverly Hills and, and talk a bit more about Ooh. that. Like, yeah, there's a lot to say and, uh, you know, it's getting late, so we probably shouldn't say it again. But my, I, that was actually my, you are my gateway into the wide world of Housewives, dear, but um, the first Housewives show I ever did sample on my own was Beverly Hills, and I think I watched it first because of Lisa Rinna and Eileen Davidson joining, um, but I will say I was most taken in by Lisa Vanderpump, who I think is one of the queens of the franchise. Whatever she's like in real life, whatever strings she pulls behind the scenes, don't care because she's fun to watch. She's fascinating. She's articulate. She epitomizes to me what a grand dame housewife should be um, and should be in L.A. for that franchise. Yeah. So, I, uh, so I don't think the show holds a candle to what it once was now that she has left um, or was driven out last year but what happened this season for those uh who may not know and are listening is that um a lot of friction arose very early on between the rest of the cast who operate with a mean girl mob mentality against denise richards who is not someone i ever thought of as a talent who is not someone i particularly liked who is not someone i really even cared about and yet who turned out to be kind of normal in a i don't give a shit sort of way on this show um and so someone, Brandy Glanville, a past and maybe future housewife, uh, resurfaced with, you know, real salacious information about uh, an affair she and Denise Richards might have had that the husband might not have known about. And all the women used that against Denise Richards. It was gross, especially the fact that I found it to be homophobic because they focused on the fact that whatever she did was girl on girl, not the fact that it might have been extramarital. Um, so the fact that if it was a problem, that it could have caused the end of a marriage, that it could have led to some sort of, you know, violent fight 
between Denise and her husband. The whole thing is so gross. I, like, egg on everyone's face, except for Garcelle Bouvet, who has risen above that morass. Um, and Denise Richards, who's announced she's not coming back to that show and who really does not do a good job standing up for herself as much as just saying she doesn't care. I say, good for you, Denise, because you turn the whole franchise on its head by saying you don't have to conspire. You don't have to do all this glam. You don't have to come with receipts that you're ready for a fight. All you have to do is say you don't care, that you're ready to walk right off camera. And the rest of them just scramble. Yeah, I like, you know, on that show, it's like none of them live in the real world. And I, I mean that in, like, none of them seem to think anything they do on the show has or should have an effect on their lives. And I don't mean Denise. I mean, like, the other five on the show, not counting Garcelle. So Rena, Kyle, Teddy, Erica, and Dorit. But Dorit has defended Denise, but... You know, it's like, well, we're going to talk about your your crap and we're going to nitpick and we're going to gaslight you and we are going to, you know, twist things. But we're not going to talk about our families. We're not going to talk about our husbands. We're not going to talk about our lawsuits, our businesses, our failing businesses. Um, and we, But you just have to own it. You have to be honest. And then they drive you people away from You have to be transparent. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I think they have some sort of pact going on that we are not going to talk about things in our lives. We are just going to um, focus on what we can really control on the show. And it makes for a really terrible, frustrating franchise. They, It is the worst franchise right now. It's the worst than OC. I know people hate on OC. I still enjoy it, and I still think OC at its prime is better than Beverly Hills at its prime. And, you know, Beverly Hills has always honed in on one thing each season, and um, that would that's the focus the whole season. Taylor's abuse, Kim's sobriety, um, the Adrian surrogate thing, Munchausen's, who can forget. But it was more interesting back then. But now it's just Much you're more. getting so, most of the most of these franchises I find had to take a couple of years to find their footing and the right group of cast members. Beverly Hills in its first couple seasons is actually really good, and then and then shifted for the worse. Yeah, like it's it's never been my favorite, but like I don't think it's at the top tier of like say New York, New Jersey, Atlanta, uh, and Potomac certainly, but like. You know, there's, it's just a frustrating watch. And I think that the cast has gotten too big for their britches and they focus too much on what people say on social media. And social media has a big influence. And um, a lot of celebrities watch the Beverly Hills. And Beverly Hills is the most popular franchise. But it's just, it's so frustrating to watch. Like, if Brandy comes back, I'm not going to watch. Um, no, I wouldn't either. I just, I just don't. They're all acting real ugly. There's no one to root for. I like Kyle, but she's really aggravating a lot. And, I don't, you know, it's it's just, I don't know. And, like, for there, I, no one's going to get fired there. They're all coming. They're no, all gonna they all back. have job security, sadly. Um, no, that's a show where it's really, like, 
they think who look how cool we are because of yeah. like what the show makes us and I want to watch a show that's we're on the show because of who the fuck we are if that makes sense yeah. um yeah. so so well, I mean we could talk about this forever but um I'd like to move on to Potomac which I think okay. is too underregarded I think this is not only the the franchise that is doing the most and has for several years I think this is one of the best shows on TV, period. If I were to do a top 10 for the TV season, which as we talk about how saturated peak TV is, this would still make my top 10. Uh, You know, yes, we have like Rami and Work in Progress and Unorthodox. This would also fall in there. And I think one of the reasons, and I'm sure you have others, is this is the most equitable of all the casts. There isn't a queen bee, but none of them are shrinking violets. They all take their turns being the focus, driving story, and also surrendering it. No one comes in as too famous, too rich, too whatever. They do a really good job as a unit, however they are edited together, of all contributing equally to fun story. Not not story that's even ugly to watch, but really fun to watch. Yeah, I think, you know... On any other show, they'd all sort of be the queen bee. They're all funny. Um, They all sort of seem to like each other, but also seem to hate each other. We always compare it to, like, Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine in in Steel Magnolias. Like, they're going to bicker, especially with Karen and Giselle. Like, they're going to bicker, but at the end of the day, it's like they all really get along well. They're petty. Um, They... The drama's juicy, but it's not like it's not there's too no heavy. bullying. It's not too heavy. There's no bullying. Um, you know, we're not ripping families apart for the most part. Um, and yeah. Michael Darby, but uh, yeah, I just I think it's just the strength of the cast. The cast is really good. They know which roles they play. Um, it's funny. It's fun it feels like a classic housewife show it feels like prime heather dubrow oc yes which was i think the apex of that particular franchise the first yeah yeah um yeah i agree i mean i can't i can't sing its praises highly enough i think i love giselle I think Robin Dixon gets shit for not contributing enough when I think she is just perfect as she is. Um, and, you know, have we mentioned of all of these franchises, this is the most attractive group? They like, are. They're all the beautiful. They're yeah. all beautiful women. They're, you know, accomplished and they're, you know, their husbands are all great. Mm, for the most part. Um, well, <laughs> but like, you know, it's they're people, you know, you want to spend time with, which is like the opposite of right. how I feel with with um Beverly Hills. And like you know, I don't always love Monique, but like compared to some of the other housewives I just like, she's fine. Uh I like her family. Yeah, I like her husband. But like yeah, I think everybody just there's, like, no egos yet, and I think that's sort of a problem that the older franchises have, that, like, they're all so high on themselves, and what the fans say about them that it affects the show. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of in a perfect place in that they keep, they know they got they know they have a good thing going. They know how to perpetuate it, um, but they're not so drunk on their success. Yeah. Now, part of that is this show does not even have a million. In, in terms of its ratings from episode to episode. Like, you know, we want this show to succeed. Yeah. And, like, but that's Bravo's fault because they never really... It is. They like, under-promote it. They, don't, they only really, like, invite Giselle to the party. Um, you know, they delayed this... The season was supposed to come back in May. It was delayed until August. Um I just, you know, you can always tell, like, Andy Cohen slobbers all over the Beverly Hills women. Atlanta has a real stronghold on the network, and rightfully so. It's it's one of the better franchises, but, like, Potomac deserves better. Um, and I think it's just because, like, you have to get those those housewives out there, get them on Watch What Happens Live, get them on the podcast, do the after show, which I don't watch, but, you know, it's not worth the ratings aren't worse than Dallas, which Dallas is just as old as them. And, and I like Dallas, but there is a stark contrast between the two. Dallas doesn't quite have it in terms of, like, most of the housewives aren't that interesting. <laughs> but yeah. I still really enjoy it. Um, but, yeah, they just don't promote. They promote the same people. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So I have one final question before we uh, sign off and uh, dismiss our class. Yeah. We were talking about the Emmys at the beginning. Yeah. There are a thousand and one categories now at the Emmys. There's a thousand ways to do something online, on YouTube, on, you know, on Quibi, I don't know where, and get an Emmy nomination. There are a bunch of reality competition shows that have categories why can't any of the housewife shows find a foothold to be nominated? Well, is it a snobbery thing? It's a is snobbery it a case thing. of gerrymandering yeah. category? It's like, a, why no, is the, why are these shows left out? It's a snobbery thing. I think that people, when this sort of like unscripted reality show started with, say, like, and. And also, I'm not going to go into, like, the real world. I mean, like, you know, sort of in, like, the aughts with, like, the Osbournes and the Kardashians and um, the Jersey Shore and then the Bravo stuff and TLC, et cetera. Like, I think there was this sense of, like, not so much with the Osbournes, but, like, these people are desperate to do, and they'll do anything for money and fame, and they want their 15 minutes of fame, and they're trash. And I think that the housewives have never really... Um, like they've never been able to shirk that reputation. Um, I think Bravo that as well as being trash, which I have watched trash reality shows, and now Doug has too, living with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bravo's not it. The Housewives, especially, they're edited really well. Um, they're produced really well. They're seamless, and only up until like these past couple. Is like recent seasons, we like never see how the sausage is made. Um, you will never see, you would almost never see anyone like rip their microphone off and be like, I'm done, or acknowledge the cameras. The editing, like I said, the editing is really, really good. They certainly deserve to be up there with something like, and I guess also it's like 
it's no different than Cheer on Netflix. It's no different than, you know, any no, of these other shows left that and right. everybody, everybody's watching, you know, Love is Blind and Tiger King on Netflix because... Tiger King got like, an Emmy nomination up against the Michael Jordan documentary and the Hillary Rodham Clinton documentary. Well, we always say it's like you put anything on Netflix and people will watch it. And, and, yeah. like, and, and they esteem it. Elevate it, and you're absolutely right. But the thing is, it's like, I think that because it's like, oh, you know, the housewives have this reputation of like, it's just about, you know, rich women getting drunk and fighting. And it's like, sure, that happens a lot. But like, I think if it was not, if it didn't have that reputation for what it's about, I think it could be Emmy worthy. It's like the only Emmy, the only Bravo shows that ever get nominated are like Top Chef wins all the time. I think the original Queer Eye was, um, and nominated a lot, which yeah, and the new Queer Eye. Well, that doesn't. Exist. But like, let's look at like <laughs> this year's nominees: outstanding, structured that. reality program. But I mean, what is what? And I know this is like a different category, but like, why is drag? How come Drag Race wins so many t- Emmys all the time, and has continued to win them this year over like? Below deck, I you would think below deck. I mean, look, look what I was gonna say is look at this year just to pick one of the uh, many many categories, the Emmy for outstanding structured reality program. So the nominees were the Antiques Roadshow again, Shark Tank, a very Brady renovation on HGTV, and Love Is Blind, and then the winner is the new Queer Eye. So you're going to tell me that Love is Blind is Emmy-worthy, right. that there's more craft, that there's more well, talent on display, even behind the scenes, than okay. Love is Blind? Than yeah. on the, the, the thing is, like, the other cat, the other people, the other shows in that category, I should say, like, have some sort of a scheme. You know what I mean? Like, like Shark Tank and, like, um, like Queer Eye. And did you say Cheer? Was that nominated? No, that was a separate category for documentary. Oh. Oh, was that considered a documentary? Oh, please. It's a reality or something. show. But, like, but I am, um, you know, it goes back to what I was saying. It's like, you know, when, because it's not about just rich people fighting, the Emmy seem to think it's better than that, which is ridiculous. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if one day 90 Day Fiance is nominated because it seems to be taking the world by storm. Yeah, everyone all of a sudden is discovering the show. We 25 seasons in. Yeah, I know. I've been watching it since season two. Um, it's like I've watched every reality show on TLC. Bravo. <laughs> I think I think we lost you there for, uh, for a second, but we got you back. Oh, oh I'm back. I'm just saying. Um... I've watched a lot of reality TV in my time. I don't think I ever watched scripted until I, I met you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trade-off. It's all right. I don't think you ever watched as much TCM before me either. No, just night and day. <laughs> Starring our king, Cary Grant. Yeah. Um, well, I think that we uh, can pull off the boulevard at this point. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to my beloved and I talk as much as I have actually doing it. 
Um, and I hope you had fun doing it too, Alyssa. I did. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, you guys, we wish you well. We hope you're doing great. If there's anything you want us to talk about, we're happy to devote any of our weekly podcasts uh, to you. Um, so just let us know on Facebook. We're on Back on the Block Pod. Um, if you would like to give us five stars, that never hurts. Um, and that's about it. I think Karen will be able to join us again next week. Um, so we will wait until then and, uh, looking forward to have you back on Hollywood Boulevard. Alyssa, I'll see you very soon to all the rest of you. I say bye.